What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Primal Baseball Podcast. If you haven't done so already, you should go follow us at Primal Baseball, P-R-I-M-A-L-B-S-B-L, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and we got a lot of new content coming out. So if you would like to follow us, go ahead and follow us on all our social media platforms. Today, I have another guest. I have Ted Bezimer from Axio Training, and we're going to get into a conversation on a lot of different topics, mostly training, but a little bit about baseball and pitching performance as well. So Ted, thanks for coming on and I'll let you introduce yourself even further. Hey, thanks for having me, Jordy. Uh, yeah. So my name is Ted Bessemer. I'm a uh, orthopedic and sports uh, clinical specialist in physical therapy. I'm also a strength coach. Um, been doing this a long time, about 30 years actually, uh, in PT and even a little longer as a strength coach. And, uh, Several years ago, I uh, injured my shoulder pretty badly um, and uh, wanted to avoid a major surgery and wanted to actually come back even stronger and uh, developed a device called Axia, which is a uh, rotational training device that's uh, gained uh, a lot of popularity, uh, particularly in baseball, but really for really all overhead athletes in a variety of sports. Yeah. And I think that's a great place to start is just your your background in, in physical therapy and strength and conditioning. I, I know, at least from my experience in baseball, a lot of coaches are either one or the other. And how, how did that kind of merge together for you? Um, how did, you know, the strength and conditioning side and the physical therapy side kind of combine? And then why is that an advantage um, over just having the one? Um, I think it's a great question. So, so I started as uh, I, well, I started as a, uh, as a strength coach for, uh, for quite a while and, uh, you know, when you're, when you're in the industry long enough, you come across things that you don't necessarily understand why someone's hurting or what's causing the problem or, or injuries and things like that. And, um, and it just kind of bothered me. I just never wanted to <laughs> not know what I was doing or randomly uh, throw darts at trying to help people. And so, uh, so I wanted uh, to dig deeper. And so, um, as I think we spoke before, I did uh, pre-med well, my undergrad degree is actually more in finance and business. And then yep. uh, I went back to school and did pre-med at Northeastern okay, um, yeah. and then uh, and then went to uh, grad school and got my master's in physical therapy at Mass General. So um, and I think I think the combination is it's actually great because I think to your point, we are seeing more people with kind of a combination of of uh, the perspective of a strength coach or a performance coach and training uh, with also a rehab component, which I think is really uh Good because it gives you a perspective from both sides. And, and I think, uh, you know, a lot of people who like when I was a strength coach, I just didn't know what was going on on the other side. I just basically just did stuff and crossed my fingers and hope things worked out. And fortunately, strengthening things quite often helps. But um, but it made me feel much more uh, complete and much more comfortable when I could actually see it from both sides. And and, uh, you know, so that, that combination, I think, is really the key. And I think, like I said, you're seeing more people who have some degree of exposure in both or, or, you know, one more than the other, but, um, but yeah, it's been really, really helpful for me. And like I said, it's from my perspective as a, as a, as someone who also is a rehab specialist, I would, I would say I'm also bringing a much bigger strength component to it than a lot of my counterpart PTs who just do rehab. Um, and Axio is kind of a product of that because basically, even though I was injured, I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to make a rehab tool. I didn't want to, no one wants to be rehabbing, you know, like I wanted to be right, like right, basically right. better training. I wanted to get back to playing baseball, hockey, throwing a ball with my son and, and, you know, really wanted to be even better. And so Axio is really the product of really taking a rehab concept, um, 
you know, bringing up more of a neuromuscular component of dynamic stability component, but pouring some gas on it and adding actually a strength component because we, we tend to sacrifice one for the other, um, whether we're rehabbing or training. And the truth is, is that we shouldn't, we really shouldn't. We want to actually develop that whole system. And, and uh, you know, that's kind of what Axio does. If anything, it actually humbles people because it's much more strenuous. Uh, they think it's going to be a low level rehab type tool. Then they put their hands on it and they're like, oh man, this thing is much more sturdy and much more potent and challenging and strenuous than they, they ever think, you know? Yeah. And, and I think one of the, one of the things when I was looking over Axio and, and just looking through the website and the videos and all that stuff was just the predictability aspect of it. Like, um, having a tool or having something that may not give you the same stimulus over and over and every single time. And I think that's really cool. And I think that not only relates to like, whether you're rehabbing or training, but also when you're actually out there on the mound, like you're not going to get the Mm -hmm. same thing over and over and over. Um, so almost practicing things that are, you were going to have to deal with on the mound before you get on the mound. That's, that's what, what I really like about it. And and Mm -hmm. maybe you could talk to the, the predictability of it and why we should be training the body to adapt and adjust on a dime and not just have this set, um, over and over stimulus. That's going to be the same every single time. Yeah. I think that's a great, uh, a great parody there you're making because, um, performance is variable, right? And, uh, and so you can't control things. So when we train, especially like we look at just even training a joint, like the shoulder, for example, when we train it in a very linear fashion, you know, you could argue you're just going to get linear results. You're, it, it is when you have a joint that's so unstable and mobile and moving at such a high rate of speed, uh, the more dynamic and the more variable the forces are actually the better because it, it's not just about generating strength in one direction. It's about being able to coordinate strength and be able to coordinate our force and even be able to sense forces better. Um, to your point, the best athletes, the best performers actually can sense and coordinate their tension the best. Um, that's why they perform the best, the most efficiently, the most consistently, and, and they're usually the least hurt. So Axio was, was basically my, my solution to my own shoulder problem, realizing that, you know, I, I mean, I, I had a, I had a body blade in my hand, you know, basically the next day after I dislocated and, and tore my labrum up in my cuff. And, and I was like, this is just not enough resistance. And it's in a linear predictable fashion. It, it's, it, it's look, it, it, it's fine for, for someone who's at a low level, but I'm like, well, I'm not at a low level. I want to train this thing. And I really want to get really, really strong and really, really stable. And, uh, and so that's when I used a rotational resistance. And what I found is that you have to kind of drive it. You can't just kind of, it just doesn't go on its own. And that mass moving around makes it very unpredictable. And, uh, it just so happens aside from the performance side of things, um, the research, uh, that I probably sent you actually, I think we were talking about is about developing muscle synergy patterns. And so basically I'll get into too much, you know, muscle synergies in the body are, you know, our body's ability to actually coordinate muscles to work together as a unit, right? So nothing works in isolation, obviously. And so the better you are at, say, throwing a baseball, hitting a baseball, running, whatever, you have these muscle synergies. And so if you're really good at something and efficient, you have fewer synergy patterns, meaning there's less muscles that basically work to make this happen. The problem is, is that when we fatigue, when we're injured, when we don't train optimally, we don't develop these synergy patterns and make them smaller, basically. So 
An example would be uh, a, uh, a really good golfer who's got a great swing, has very few muscle synergy patterns. A new golfer who's never picked up a golf club before, and it looks like they're chopping wood, they have a lot of muscle synergy. So each time they swing the club, it's completely different. And so we want this repeatability. And, and so the research shows that by improving our muscle synergy patterns, which is about strengthening to some degree, but in a very dynamic way, a uh, very unpredictable and variable way, we can hone these synergy patterns to make us move more efficiently, prevent injury, perform better, keep our joints stable, things like that. So, um, and so they say it, it really hits on all levels of from a performance standpoint of being able to adapt and be able to coordinate tension in variable environments um, to actually really how our muscles and our joints function optimally, which is really coordinating our force best. It's not just moving a weight linearly. It's not just moving bands in IR, ER and doing this stuff uh, that really develops that system, you know? Yeah. And, and one of the other, uh, we're going to be using just a heads up. We're going to be to the listeners. We're going to be using some terms that you might not have heard before. Um, so muscle synergies is probably one of them, but another one yeah. that I wanted to, to talk about that I keep see, keep seeing come up is, uh, neuromuscular control. And I wanted to know why it's so important to have high degrees of, of coordination and, yeah. and how that neuromuscular control can help us reduce injury and, and increase performance. Yeah. So it is, that is a, uh, that is a big word and it really encompasses a lot of things. So I think another big word that's I would say finds itself uh, more so in in the even in the fitness world and certainly in the performance world is, is proprioception, which is basically our body's ability to sense where we are in space. So if I'm you know looking at you, I know that my right foot's turned out over here without even looking at it. my body's giving me constant feedback, and so that's a system in our body that really. Uh, it really, it really shouldn't be overlooked because our ability to, to sense where we are in space has everything to do with how our ability to actually coordinate movement and, and build up to manipulate force and tension. So, um, you know, you could argue that the, the, the best uh, performers, the best movers in any sport, they're not the strongest. And clearly they're not the strongest. Right. As much as we might like to think they are, they're not. They're the ones who actually coordinate and sense and coordinate their force the best. They can use their strength the best. And so this is really where you start to bring in this idea of the, our neuromuscular control. So, you know, analogy would be like, you know, muscles are really just kind of, you know, uh, they really they really don't know what to do unless something's telling them what to do. They're, they're not really smart. There's no... There's no, you know, this muscle memory thing. And as if muscles have brains is really not accurate. It's really our nervous system that tells the muscles what to do, when to work the gas, when to work the brakes, when to kind of, you know, coordinate that tension. And so uh, it'd be like, uh, it'd be like you have in your phone, you know, well, you could have like basically, uh, you know, you could have a, 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 you know, low level internet connection. You could have high speed. You know, we, we want to have, we want to have the software in the body that actually can use our muscles most optimally. You know, the best athletes have the best software. And so consequently it is our neuromuscular system that really gets the most out of our muscles. Um, and so for example, even with Axia, like I get lots of strong athletes I work with who can move a ton of weight. They can, you know, they can deadlift a ton and, and they can, you know, I mean, they're, they're strong and they test right. very strong and, and that bucket of strength is really filled pretty much the top. But then you ask them to move or coordinate tension or spin an Axio and they, just throw random force at it 
hoping that it's going to carry over. And, 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 and you know this, you know, it, throwing a baseball 95 is not just, a, just about throwing force. It's about coordinating force to get it to move through the system. So, um, so yeah, I think that the, the more we can develop neuromuscular components in our training, um, in addition to some strength training, of course, I think the, it yields better results, you know, not only performance wise, but also to prevent injury. And like I said, that was the whole reason I made Axios. I wanted something that had more strength because I want to, I want to strength train with much more neuromuscular benefit, you know, because I think the stuff right now that we've been using for years, these are generally rehab tools that have made their way into the world of performance in sports. And so uh, we use these low level devices thinking they're going to give us these high returns. And the truth is they don't, they end up being warm up tools and just to get warm, but, the, but we want to develop this system. We need to train it to make it perform optimally. So um, that's where Axial really, really shines. Yeah. And, and to touch on, you know, a similar idea that, that I'm just hearing from you is the strongest guy, like is not necessarily going to be the guy who's throwing the hardest. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a different game as much as you, you want to see the correlation exactly between (laughs) strength, between being in the weight room and being the guy who deadlifts the most or benches the most. Th- mm-hmm. there's not going to be a, a correlation. Maybe there is for like some certain guys, like that's how they throw. They're just so strong. But for a lot of guys, um, sometimes even the strength will take away from, from your movement yeah. and from your, your Good. patterns and sequencing. Like um, yep. Yep. It, it can yep. even, you know, be a detriment. It can have your performance almost plummet because you're so strong and you can't move through these positions. So it's a, it's always a balance. There's always, like you said, I really like the bucket analogy. I, I try to use that also. There's all these, you you can think of it as you have like, uh, however many buckets you want. I I will say three for now, but it's like, there's one strength, one explosive, one, we'll just say like mechanics. Right. And if you fill up the strength all the way, the Mm -hmm. other two buckets are going to be a little bit low. So if you can maybe balance them out and pour some of the strength into the other two buckets, when you have these buckets that are more balanced, now you can try to raise them all at once. But if you have uneven buckets, then we're going to, ha- we might have an issue because there's so much strength, not enough mobility that might cause injury that might cause lower performance. So just making sure that we can, we can have strength. I don't want to say you don't want strength because that's, you want to be, everybody wants to be strong. I want to be strong. I want to be fast, but we, there's, there's more than just the strength. There's, there's other components to the throw to the performance of, of pitching or baseball or whatever other sport, you know, you're going to use through Axio or, or whatever tools you're going to use. There's, there's more than just this strength and conditioning. So I think that's a really important piece to touch on, especially to the younger guys. I know it's, um, you know, from growing through it myself, even in college, it was kind of just me like on this one path, like, Oh, if I get really strong, I'm going to, I'm going to throw hard and maybe, you see the results for about a month or two and then it starts to hit that peak and then maybe go back down a little bit. So it's just about having that balance of, of strength and conditioning. But yeah, that's just, that's just one thing that I wanted to, to go back over and, and touch on. That's um, honestly like, you, you probably saw the smile on my face when you started to go there. That is like super insightful that you pick up on that because like for two reasons, one is that, you know, the, there's a great analogy, uh, Mike Boyle, um, you probably know Mike Boyle is right. So uh, really, really uh, sharp guy, great strength coach. And so um, he says, strength is the story that strength coaches tell themselves. And so, you know, like basically when, 
you know, the, the argument would be like to develop power, I need to be strong to develop power or something like that, or develop, I need to be strong to throw hard. But, you know, I, I can think of a lot of people who used to, I used to play basketball with who could dunk a basketball and I could move a ton more weight than these guys. I, mean, I was much stronger than them, but they could dunk, they could throw hard, they could, they could vertical better than me, you know, and so we look to strength quite often because there's a nice objective metric to look at, you know, what do you bench? What do you squat? What do you deadlift? You know, and, and we, we focus on these metrics and, and uh, you know, the analogy certainly in like a medical approach would be like, you're, we're treating the symptom we're, or we're treating the temperature. We're not actually, we're not really treating what the source is and what the problem is. And then, um, and then to your, your other point you made, I thought was really, really smart is, you know, we learn things from what we do. So like, if you're just moving weight, you know, you can actually ingrain bad movement patterns, you know, as much as I'm a huge deadlifting fan, I mean, I deadlift basically every athlete I train, really, I can't think of many I don't. Um, I don't back squat every athlete I train, that's for sure, but I definitely deadlift them. Uh, you know, you can actually ingroove a bad pattern. Um, I could take a, even a golfer or something like that, and I start having them doing deadlift kettlebell swings and then next thing you know they're early extending in their golf swing and they're coming out of their rotation so you know same thing could happen swinging a bat so you know our nervous system or you know we should reflect on what is what does our body learn from our training um and so we can ingrain these bad patterns that then don't carry over well to our sport as well so and and then lastly like you said it is about feeding what needs to be fed like if you if you're you know, incrementally, you're 90% full in that strength bucket. Well, I probably shouldn't be spending much more time on the strength. I should be going after these other things, whether it be you need more some mobility or you need more timing, mechanics, you know, neuromuscular system. I mean, I would develop the other things because that's really where you're going to get your best return, you know. Um, and so it is good to kind of not cookie cutter it and be thoughtful about this stuff. And, and like I said, where Axio falls in is basically a tool that really kind of gets a little bit of a little bit of everything really. And it's just, we're trying to make athletes make their nervous system, their strength and their neuromuscular system more robust. The more robust we can make it, the more dynamic, adaptable, the better, the better their tools are to compete and perform. Yeah. And, and when you're using Axio, is it more of a, a warm up, a post throw? What is like, when are mm-hmm. the times that you can implement this into your training to allow yeah a lot of the benefits maybe maybe you want to yeah so so because in baseball like baseball is very fixated on warm-up you know pitchers particularly they have their warm-up routines um so axio instantly is pictured as being like warm-up i used to do like a bunch of body blade and shoulder tube that's how i get warm and i did and so players are always thinking warm-up um and i think that's a really a very um unfortunately it's a big mistake it's actually to to look at it as a warm-up tool and to think that your warm-up is really what's going to have a significant effect on your outcome and your performance and even injury prevention. I mean, everyone talks warm-up, warm-up, warm-up. But I'll tell you right now, if you really want to prevent injury, it all comes down to what you do six weeks before you perform, not six minutes with any warm-up. I mean, even Nolan Ryan in, his, uh, in that, that uh, great video of Nolan Ryan talking about his greatest no-hitter, and they asked him what he remembered about the game. And he's like, well, I remember having a shitty warm-up. You know, so the warm-up had nothing to do with the outcome of the game. It really doesn't. I mean, maybe mentally it gets someone prepared to get some routine and a rhythm and all that. But, but if you really want to develop these things, if you want to get stronger and get better neuromuscularly and be able to coordinate tension more, 
you should train with this. So, um, so, but yeah, you can warm up with it too. It's great. And you can recover with it too. It's great for that. It, it does it all. And it's basically three pounds and fits in your bag. Um, but an example of training would be going back to like, say deadlifting, for example, with my athletes, I get someone they're deadlifting and whether I pairs or I have groups, they're deadlifting. Once they're done with their deadlift, they drop down. If they're an overhead athlete, I might put them in a side plank and have them do an arm bar and rotate this thing while they're in a side plank and integrate it with some, some, some core type stuff. So they're getting a recovery from the deadlift. They're getting a, some neuromuscular component. It's actually neuroexcitatory. So it, it amps the nervous system, which helps them with their deadlift. And it integrates shoulder core together because that's what we need. We don't need to isolate, you know, individual little muscles to do this stuff. This gets everything. It's not just shoulder. It makes your core work. It makes you use your force into the ground and back to the axio. It's, it makes you use your ground reaction force. And people who actually are not connected well will lose control of the ball in here that you're rotating. It'll clank around and move. So definitely number one, and I'm always appreciating this, and I, I can't do enough videos about it. This is a training tool that can be used for warm-up and recovery. You know, it, it really, it, that's really how it should be best used. Yeah. 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 And as we're talking about warm up and recovery, one of the big things for a lot of players is going too hard in the warm up and the recovery. Mm -hmm. And I, <clears throat> I don't know if you can talk a little bit about like how we can balance up. I, I know you said the, the Axio is more of a more training device that you can implement with mm -hmm. um, different exercises that you're using. It can be an addition and just something to kind of progressive progressively overload an exercise like you can add the axio in so it's a little bit harder and and you have to stabilize and, and coordinate better um but as you're going through a warm-up and recovery i just maybe you could touch on the significance of not of using the warm-up and recovery as they're supposed to be made right like sometimes we and i'm speaking from personal experience this is more yeah. for me too i love like i i like exercises i like doing the warmups. I like the recovery. I like the process of it, but sometimes the warm up, I go too much and then I'm fatigued for the actual performance. And then sometimes when the performance is over, I like the recovery. So I go too much and then I'm not able to recover properly. So how, how are we able to balance the warm up and the recovery? How fatigued should we actually be before we get ready to throw? And then once we throw how fatigued, how much more fatigue should we, or and stress should we put on our arm and our bodies? Yeah. So that's a, well, that's a, that's a big question. And, and, uh, and I had a feeling you were talking about your own perspective and, and experience yeah. with it. Um, it. It's funny you said, because like when, when I made this and I, like I made it for training, I mean, I made it cause I wanted to actually strengthen my shoulder better than using a blade or bands and just stuff like that. I wanted yeah. something that was more potent. Um, yeah. And, 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 and it, it, it really is. Um, but people were thinking of warm up, And so right away, and it's funny who says, cause right away I'm like thinking, holy crap, you know, what's going to happen is someone's going to like start spinning this thing. And in 30 seconds, they're going to be like, their arm is going to be hanging yeah. because it's, I mean, when I go ahead and present this at conferences and stuff like that, or ABCA or any of these guys, and I get people put their hands, this thing, they're like, they're like, wow, I've never felt my shoulder feel this way before is the first thing they'll say. That's a classic one. And then the other one that's really kind of funny is then, and this was actually, I think I was at uh, World Baseball uh, at Mohican Sun out, out back in New England. And uh, and one guy like spin it for like 15 seconds and he comes back over like 15 minutes later. And he's like, he's like, 
He's like, dude, I still feel that in my shoulder. And I did it like 15 minutes ago for like 20 seconds. So, so my, my fear with this from a warm up standpoint is actually over fatiguing someone. And so the answer to that is you don't want to be fatigued at all because yeah. when we become fatigued, not only do our muscles actually not generate force as well, but our nervous system, our neuromuscular system deteriorates, you know, back when I played high school basketball, if I went in the gym and like hammered arms and then went out to the court and started working on free throws, I'm like throwing air balls and bricks. I got no feel. So there is a sweet spot there and and it's, it, you know, I wish I could say, this is what we should do. This is what right. you should do. This is what you should do. But I think it really is very individualized and, um, and it's going to take trial and error. You know, I'm sure you figured out, you know, okay, that was too much. That was not enough. And you got to kind of figure it out. Um, we do have an Axio 8 warm-up, a thrower's warm-up routine on the website for ballplayers. Um, and out of the eight things that are involving this, I think you're spinning this only like three or four of them. So we'll use it as a prop for halos, for mobility stuff, for some torso rotation, um, forearm stuff. But if I gave someone eight different things to do with this and they rip this for 30 seconds, I mean, it, it will noodle them. It really could, yeah. depending on, on their, their level. Um, and then as far as recovery goes, you know, the idea behind recovery is really to not do too much. The idea behind recovery is to increase capillary refill and flush. So circulation without load, you know, so, um, you know, there, there's, you know, the, the idea is like, you know, go, go, go for a jog afterwards, things like that, that just basically increase systemic circulation with this, the, uh, I don't know if it's on the website right now, but with the Axio, our recovery routine is more like pendulums with this or walking around in the field, just spinning it down by your side. So gravity's minimized because if I'm holding this thing out at 90 degrees and it only weighs three pounds, but it punches about 15 when I'm rotating it and you just threw six innings, you know, you're going to be like, yeah. you're not going to like it. It's not going to help you recover. It'll make you feel worse. Yeah. So really we want low load and we want uh, low velocity also, because we just want to open up the capillaries in our muscles to help with, with basically opening up the, uh, the train tracks to move things in and out. We don't want to create uh, constriction and basically not allow the body to do what it's designed to do. Um, I'm not a big proponent of icing things, you know, uh, for that reason, uh, unless you, you really need to help with some pain. But the body's designed to recover quite often if we just get out of its way, you know. Yep. Um, so, the, so like I said, warm up, not too much. Be careful. It's, it's really subjective to what works for the athlete. Recovery, even less than not too much. You really don't want to do too much. This is down here, gravity minimized. Um, and just like I said, low, walking around, moving, just getting circulation better. Yeah. And Axio does a great job at almost creating a feel for us to move from our core. And I think that that's a really important thing to learn as a pitcher or an athlete whatever sport you're in like learning to move from the inside of your body out because I, I think a lot of times and I've, I've used this on the podcast multiple times but I I hear like and it's it's you know just a saying so I know nobody really means it when they say it, but like when you say like oh this guy has a great arm like it's not necessarily maybe <laughs> the arm that's actually the the <laughs> the the thing that's making him throw so hard like that's just a general saying i i say it all the time yeah. too but it's like what it really means is is this guy is like an athlete he has good rhythm and he's he's has good patterns and he's able to move through positions because if you have the strongest arm like we talked about earlier it, a dude that has the most jacked arm is not going to throw the hardest <laughs> it's not about the strength like 
like mm-hmm. we mentioned before. Um, but it's, it's really like being able to take that energy, obviously from the ground and have that ground force, but also being able to take the energy from the middle of your body and kind of extend that out. And, mm-hmm. and, a, you know, a big thing with, with all the links and the research and the videos from Axio is just the, the, tr- the core, everything is stabilized because of the core and it's coming from the inside, maybe the center of mass, like closer to your center of mass and then mm-hmm. being able to go out, but you have to control that center of mass first. So maybe you could talk about why controlling our, our center of mass is so important, especially for pitchers and, and athletes. Yeah. So yeah, the, the comedy has a good arm versus he uses his arm. Well, right. So, um, you know, like you're, you're right. The, the, we wanted the best movers, the best performers generate their force from the middle. Um, I, I do think the word our, our core gets core gets a lot of, uh, a lot of credit for things. And, and, and then the problem is I think the way we train it is also really not always what really helps us move better or do better. Um, because the cores become this separate kind of entity. And, and, uh, and, and I should say this, you know, when I made this, I wasn't thinking like how this affects my whole body when I developed this. I was really just trying to solve a shoulder problem specifically and make a shoulder more dynamically stable and, and stronger. But what I learned um, in time very quickly, actually, is that it, the Axio is unique in that it really forces you to use your your middle muscles, we'll say, core, hips, really everything that connects you to the ground. And it makes you have to use it in a very uh, reactive kind of coordinated way. You can't just stiffen to make it happen because when we just stiffen, we don't transfer force well. That's like bracing. It'd be like, you know, when you see people holding their arms out and, and people doing like isometrics on them and stuff like that and pushing on them. That's not really teaching our nervous system to actually kind of work the gas and the brakes and, and transfer force. It's just teaching us just to lock down. And as you point out, locking down does not allow you to actually transfer force to your arm into a ball or to a bat. So, so Axio is unique in that by having to, by rotating this thing, there's a constant communication. Whereas I'm spinning this thing just with my right arm, I could do two hands, whatever. This force is now coming down through, it's coming from my middle first to my shoulder, and then it goes back to the chair I'm sitting in. And there's this constant volley of force back and forth. So, you know, our middle creates the force. We put force into the ground and that force travels back through the system to the implement, whatever it may be, ball, glove, uh, bat, golf club, whatever. So Axio really develops that ability to do that. And and I've watched, I've watched many athletes, um, especially with lower body disconnects, left leg, right leg, uh, you know, lead leg, plant leg, all that kind of stuff where you'll see them be pretty controlled with this in one position and we switch them and they actually lose control and they fumble it around and they even lose their balance. And it, it basically will show you how people like to use their ground reaction force and who can and who can't. It's actually kind of interesting. I, I use it even with my lower body athletes. I use it with high level skiers because it will develop that system of being able to coordinate tension using the ground efficiently, you know? Yeah, I think that's very interesting. I, it almost seems sometimes that we we get the steps wrong or the foundations wrong. It seems like w- when we're looking to to better our performance in today's world, we go right. We we sign up for the gym or we sign up to go to go to a facility that's going to give us a lifting program and and give us a throwing program. But it's almost as if we 
we skip like the foundational step of just like learning how to move our body and be an athlete. It's almost like if, right, you're talking about coordination and, and balance and rhythm and athleticism and the disconnects between your lower half, your upper half. If we don't know like how, if we don't know what it feels like to, to move athletically within our body, the weight room might not necessarily be the place that's going to like give us all of our, all of our benefits, like just squatting up and down, Obviously the weight room has changed a lot and <clears throat> performance is no longer squat bench clean. It's, it's obviously changed and mm -hmm. for, for the better. Um, but still, yeah. if you don't, if you don't know how to move your, your body, like outside playing there, there's going to be some issues. And, and that's why I, I recommend if you're a, if you're a pitcher, especially for the pitchers that are being pitchers only at such a young age, like go play shortstop, go shag fly balls, because <laughs> that's going to allow you to create that proprioception and understanding yeah. of how your body's moving and just bring you athleticism and, and some sort of coordination and balance and body control. But, and I'm not trying to say that you're going to gain five miles an hour by go taking, by going and taking ground balls, but it's, it's part of the piece. And I think we need to have that foundation. That's, that is not going to replace the lifting, but it's going to be in addition to, we need to make sure that that piece is being taken care of as well as, as the lifting stuff. I think sometimes we, we skip those steps and I don't, I don't know if you see that in, in your day to day, or if you've seen that over the last couple of years, as people have gotten more into strength and conditioning, but, but that's just something that I see um, sometimes. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you're right. I think, well, I mean, after like I've been in this field for a long time, so, and the bar has definitely risen more um, into more of this kind of, Hey, we need to, I mean, back in the day, we were just basically hammering out leg extensions and leg <laughs> curls and leg press for in hoping that no one blew out an ACL or something like that or expected to carry over well on the football field. And and uh, and we kind of, you know, so so clearly, we're, you know, there's some smarter people behind this and there's some research behind yeah. it and stuff like that. But even yet, um, the problem is, is that, um, you know, what is the problem? The problem, I'd say, is that there's still, we, we, people still want to do what they want to do. And, and then, and then we want to believe what we want to believe based on what we do. So, so, you know, I mean, even with, with this, I'll get, I get people who, you know, they do like a body blade or something like that. And then they put their hand on this thing and they're kind of clunking it around and they can't do it. And they're like, I can't do it. I'll just do the body blade instead. And so right there, what they just had in their mind was they're like, okay, well, I can't do this, so it's probably not worth doing. And this I can do, and it does the same thing, is what they're rationalizing. So they just do the same thing. I'll just squat. I don't need the deadlift. I'll just squat. I don't need to do single leg work because that's hard. I'll do double leg work. Or, like so, we have this these constant little personal battles where we go through and and uh, you know, or this cognitive dissonance of like what you know, what we rationalize. And so, the truth is, is that. We really should challenge ourselves in as many different ways as we can, to your point. You know, field ground balls, catch balls, dive for things, do as many different things as you can, even if it doesn't look specifically like what you really want to do. Because the more you do that stuff, the better your nervous system becomes. I mean, really, we're just trying to give you as much nutrition uh, to use your muscles in different ways as possible. And I think it's especially important for younger athletes because that's when uh, that's when our nervous system is most robust. That's what we can learn the most. You know, we get older, it gets a lot harder to pick up new things. But when we're young, our nervous system is like a sponge. We can like, you know, we learn language better. We learn music better. We also learn to move better. So, uh, you know, as much as I'm a fan of loading things and I want to create strength, um, you know, 
we, we really shouldn't be so uh, naive to think that just, you know, moving weight in a linear fashion is going to carry over in a very dynamic fashion. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's, that's all I really had for, <clears throat> you know, today's, today's combo and everything that I wanted to cover. Maybe we could bring this into, th- this is just more for, for me and maybe the listeners will get a little bit of something out of it. But mm-hmm. When I was, you know, going through the Axio stuff and, and the research and the studies, there were some words that stood out to me and yeah. that I would personally like to understand deeper. So maybe I could give you, there's only like three or four of them. You already tackled proprioception, but um, there's there's two or three words that I was hoping to get a little bit of a, maybe like a layman's term or something a yeah. little bit simpler to digest on. So I'll just, I'll just give, you, give you one at a time. But the first one was... Um, was we actually talked about this before but centripetal force yeah yeah so uh so centripetal force is kind of interesting so like um well first of all if you take like a body blade for example that's a linear force right so when you move a body blade back and forth which you know we're all familiar with that force is in one direction even if i shake water which is obviously very popular it's still in one direction it's not it's not this. It's not constantly changing, and it's unpredictable as many people say it is. Even though I know water is unpredictable, water is actually very predictable. It'll flow downhill, and it'll it'll go where it wants to go. So, water is very predictable, and it's still affected directly by gravity. Okay. So the way this works, and the reason why this is better for better certainly for our shoulders and more dynamic, is that inside here there's a half pound weight. This is the 360. It's our most popular model. It's a half pound weight, and it's in a resisted channel. Now. When I go to rotate this around, I need to apply a force that is rotating that mass around. And what happens is the device is actually creating a centripetal force. It's pushing the ball back to the middle. So if you were driving in your car and you made a left turn and you start to slide to the right door of your car, well, the car door is pushing you back to the middle. That's applying a centripetal force, moving things to the middle. And the neat thing about that, what it does is that is that if I want to rotate a mass around a rotational system, I have to apply about five times the force to double the speed. So it makes it very potent. It makes a three pound axial punch really hard. It's surprisingly strenuous, even though gravitationally it's only three pounds. Right. Um, inside here is also a resistance though. So it's, it's just not going to go on its own. I need to actually muscle it to get it to move. It'll stop. So rotationing different directions, all these different things create different forces. And it's constantly changing because as that mass moves, probably the best way to show it is with the 720. So if I rotate this with both hands, right? And I got both these weights going and I let go. You see how that jumps? Yep. So what's happening is that that is trying to pull my arm out of the socket. <laughs> it's literally trying to pull it in different directions out. Your rotator cuff muscles, there are four of them, they keep that sucker in there. They keep that from moving. So certainly for throwers, the reason why every MLB organization uses these now is because it is keeping that humeral head in better control in a very dynamic way. It's not just one muscle. It's all four need to work to keep that from translating. You know. so yeah, so centripetal, you know, is is that's really the sweet. That's reason why these centripetal trainers we call them that. It's a mouthful, but that's it's it, you're using 360 degrees of resistance versus just gravity or one directional forces. You know, it'd be like taking our our, our knee out, a guy we're gonna you know our football player, and uh, 
either doing leg extensions and leg curls and leg press in one direction versus I'm going to cut them and plant them and rotational lunge them and, and bound them and things like that, which is really what research shows is most effective. The next one I got is internal angular resistance. Yeah. <laughs> so, so basically what we're talking about is inside here, right? So it's, first of all, it's intentionally not see-through. I don't want you to, be able to see that ball. I want you to, be able to feel it, right? That's the proprioception part. But that ball in here, there is a, this is pliable, it's rubber. And so it creates a resistance to move the ball around. It's called an angular or rotational resistance. So angular is the same thing as rotational. To rotate this around, there's gravity, but then there's also a rotational or angular resistance because that ball wants to stop. And in fact, on slow motion, you can see in some videos, this actually teardrops as the mass is moving around. So it grabs the ball and it slows it down. So it creates resistance, which is why it's really so strenuous to do. You know? Yep. Yep. And and that's that was the only I think you already talked about gravitational resistance a little bit, right? Um, but yeah. Yeah. So, like a dumbbell, like a yeah. free weight, you know? Yeah. 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 So that's that's all I had. Now I kind of want to move or I'm gonna move on to the rapid fire questions. So it's just me giving you a quick, quick uh, question and then you answering the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, favorite book. <laughs> All right. Favorite book. Wow. Uh, probably one of the first books I ever read, The Hobbit. <laughs> All right. Favorite memory. This can be if if you played baseball, it can be from baseball. If not, just <laughs> just sports in general. But favorite memory from baseball. Uh, favorite memory from baseball was uh, I think I was probably like double A pitcher, and uh, some kid was coming home, and the and. Uh, of course, the catcher dropped the ball I put right over the plate, and he went to go get it on the backstop, <laughs> threw it to me, and I dropped my tag and tagged the guy between my legs, never looked at him, and he slid right into my tag. All right. That's perfect. <laughs> Double favorite, A, yeah. <laughs> favorite food. Favorite food. Uh, oh, oh, uh, oh, buffalo wings. Okay. I'm from Buffalo originally, so. Okay. Yep. What is some – this, again, we can skip to the end if, if – you need a little time, but what is something uncomfortable that you want to start doing in order to grow? <laughs> uh, wow. You know, the, the, the truth is actually, Axio has been something that's been uncomfortable that has actually really helped me grow because, um, you know, being in, the, in working in healthcare and working with athletes one-on-one and in small group stuff to all of a sudden create something and then put it out there and then, you know, uh, have to go and present it and kind of explain it. And just the constant, like, it's just a never ending thing. Um, that's been actually one of the, it's actually, it's one of been one of the, the coolest things about it because I've met a lot of really great people and, and, uh, and it's really energized me in a lot of ways. I really enjoy doing it. So um, never expected that to be what it was going to be, but by far that has probably been led to some of the greatest growth I've had in my career. Something you often forget you're grateful for. Something I often forget I'm grateful for. Um, well, I think, you know, uh, grateful just in general for my family, for my wife and my kids, you know, it's easy to kind of get focused on uh, work and your profession and trying to actually create something and, and uh, you get caught in your uh, routine of just day to day of doing that stuff. And then, uh, you know, for me, like the, the things I love doing the best are, I mean, I just went and watched my son play hockey last night. I love, I love watching my kids do things. And so, um, I would do that, you know, I'd do that forever and ever and ever like a loop. I would never want to stop ever doing that. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, best or best life lesson baseball has taught you. 
<laughs> well, I don't know if it taught me much when I played, to be honest with you, um, because I don't think I was that insightful. But now that I now that my product is popular in baseball, I'm around a lot of very much smarter baseball guys than I am actually. And so, so the kind of the cool thing for me is I've learned so much more in, about baseball. And I would say one of the cool things about baseball, um, as I look at it, and I didn't realize when I was younger, is it is it it teaches or it reminds me to enjoy the process. And that because because it's not it's not about success. And and uh, it's about it's about just basically continuing to to go through and appreciate the process of getting better at things, recognizing that success is not just instantly going to happen. And uh, I even use that parody when I explain it axio to people because people think they're going to pick this thing up and they're going to be like a pro at it. And it's like, no, you're it's you don't just pick up a jump rope and start ripping it like Rocky the first time you try it. You got to you got to develop and, and learn and, and practice and do the reps. And so. Um, that I think is the special sauce is actually learning to be okay with the process and appreciating the kind of the journey um, because um, success isn't always something you can control, you know? So, but you can control putting in the work and putting in the time and, 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 you know, basically being dedicated to try to get better at something, you know? Advice to your five-year-old self. Uh, boy, five-year-old self. Uh, uh, play more guitar, uh, play drums, play guitar. Um, you know, probably hit the weight room when I younger than I <laughs> you know, start lifting weights at, at six. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think probably like looking back, I think I could have been a more, uh, I could have been a more successful athlete if I was okay with the work that I would have needed to put into it. Like I was a good, I was a good young athlete in a bunch of sports, but I never kind of was ready to like really. So back, I always kind of wonder, you know, I could have been a pretty decent ball player. I could have been a really good tennis player, basketball player. I just didn't really kind of figure it out until I was uh, older, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's all I have for the rapid fire, but I want to give this time for you just to tell all the listeners where they can find you on social media or, or other places and just, yeah. Yeah. So um, to learn more about Axio, um, axiotraining.com is the website, um, axiotraining.com. And then uh, Instagram, at axiotraining, Facebook, all that stuff, at axiotraining. I always uh, let people know, hey, if you if you message me on my website, you message me on Instagram, you're getting me. So you're getting me directly to talk to. Um, I always, uh, like I said, one of the cool things about this that I never really, you know, I kind of thought, well, you're going to make, you're going to design this, manufacture it. And, you know, that's, that's the work, but really what I really enjoy is the conversations and like people reaching out and answering questions and meeting people. I meet, I've met hundreds of strength coaches, hundreds of guys in baseball, um, that I never would have met, you know, um, that it wasn't for this. And so, um, so yeah, I like, I said, feel free to reach out anytime with questions. Um, you know, you're going to get me and, and, uh, like I said, I like, I like the dialogue and, and, uh, I always, I answer everything I get from players and all that stuff who reach out. So, so yeah, um, axiotraining.com. Well, that's all we got for today's podcast. If you would like to be a guest or, you know, somebody that would be a good guest, please reach out to us at primal baseball, P R I M A L B S B L at gmail.com. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And, and Ted, thanks for coming on and sharing your knowledge with everybody. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks for having me, bud.